As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. want to become a better racer? Are you interested in expanding your knowledge of our sport? If so, thisisbracketracing.com is the place for you. Thisisbracketracing.com houses well over 300 training resources on literally every topic that you could imagine as it pertains to sportsman drag racing. We have trainings dedicated toward improving reaction time, toward uh, sharpening your skills at the finish line, toward increasing your mental game, uh, tech and torque converter, carburetors, you name it, and much, much more. Best of all, on your first visit to thisisbracketracing.com, we award you with one training of your choice for free. Again, that's the best part. It is your choice. So whatever it is that you are interested in and want to focus on, we have a training for you. It's yours for free. To check it out, just go to thisisbracketracing.com and click the Start Here button on the homepage. As we get closer to racing this season, you'll need to start thinking about which of your parts could use a little tune-up or perhaps a replacement. Keep BTE in mind. That's Bill Taylor Enterprises. For all your high-performance transmission needs, torque converters, parts, complete transmissions, BTE does it all. Check them out at BTE Racing or find them on Facebook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. 
Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss the strip tease and the Saturday Night Hooker. It is good to be back with my podna. It's been a while. Big Jed, how are you? Luke, I am well. Better than I deserve, probably. Um, I'm just uh, excited to be here, be back with you. Um, it, it has seemed like forever. I guess it's been just a couple of weeks, but it seemed like a long time. Anytime we skip a, a week of being together. But good to be back. Um, you know, Got to do some racing over the weekend for the first time this year. Really excited about that. Uh, race the, the ben willis king of the mountain series ben uh, is putting on some uh, some great races at my home track my real home track you're about three and a half miles up the road so it was great to race for good guaranteed purses uh, with a really good program a good format that, that ben's bringing to the to the mountain for us and uh, had a real good time made some good laps made some bad laps uh, watched the kids race watched jj race all in all, just a, a heck of a fun weekend. You know, I I gave up the announcing this year to to stay around home and race with the the nieces and nephews and my son and just have family time at the track and enjoy myself. And the very first time out was uh, everything I wanted it to be and more. So super excited about the 2021 racing season, but it was a good time. Give me the rundown, Jed. Like you're casting a pretty wide net at this point with with pennington motorsports who all was competing like what all do we have going on well uh, this past weekend i was racing super pro with the uh, big red i had uh, you know I, I purchased my old malibu back from the bnm days i bought it back from nick ross I actually bought it for my wife jenny mo but um she has not tested or done anything to get her, herself ready so we loaned the car this weekend to my nephew andrew lindemood and he made a semi-final one day. I uh, had JJ in my little street wagon. It's a low eight second uh, LS powered Malibu station wagon, street legal vehicle. He was racing that and a uh, foot brake and uh, had a uh, nephew in my fast junior and had a uh, niece in my slow junior. So yeah, I'm crazy. Got a couple of juniors to go along with all that other stuff. So uh, we had uh, we had a lot. We represented entries in pretty much everything they had uh, this past weekend. It was an awesome time. And my uh, my niece, it was her first race out, first time she ever got to race. And she uh, turned on a couple of wind lights, maybe three wind lights actually, on uh, Sunday. So that was uh, incredible to watch her do that. And my ne- my nephew uh, got a runner up finish and the main event junior race on sunday to um probably one of the best that's ever done it never will do it carson emmett so uh carson got by him just a few thousand it was a really good race so really excited about the juniors and and the kids getting involved and um you know my hot rod was good jj's having a blast i mean we could dedicate the whole show to me gas bagging about this weekend just a, a nice fun race at laster mountain with the family but it was uh, again everything that i have wanted to accomplish and more uh, just in the first time out so um, we're gonna have a fun year 
I can hear the joy in your voice. It's uh, it's exciting times, man. You have been racing. I have been racing. I think it's just once each at this point. But there's actually racing going on, which means that we've got racing to talk about. Um, I will just put out a, a bit of a, of a uh, qualifier for today's show. My wife and I, Jed, we are on day two of a 10-day sugar detox. Mm. I don't think it's completely hit yet, but that's from my perspective. If I seem a bit irritable, right? If I if I if I say a thing or t- I'm just gonna put that out there. Like, don't hold this against me. It it could be detox brain. I'm hungry, Jed. I, I'm hungry. I'm, look, sugar is so good. Now I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm not trying to make it any worse on you, but the sugar is what makes everything taste good. So I can only imagine how challenging this is. But if anybody that I know is up for it and ready to accept it, it is you and your lovely bride. I know you guys will accomplish your goal in this next, well, ever how many, eight days left. Not much further now. <laughs> All right, so we've got a ton of racing to get into, some NHRA stuff, some big dollar bracket bracket stuff, uh, a little bit of what's on tap coming up. Uh, it's a it's a relatively busy for the you know what is this the second week of March. We're gonna do our best to get to all of it, but first, P K North. Jed, I don't know exactly what order we should go in here, but I know the order on which it's on my little notes in front of me, so we'll just start there. Um, big Dollar Bracket Racing first. Uh, I, th- I feel like this is the kind of kickoff to the Big Dollar season almost year in and year out. Uh, the Southern Big Buck Nationals, which has traditionally been at Bell Rose, this year moved to Baton Rouge and actually got postponed a couple of weeks. I think the uh, original week it was cold, it was rainy. Um, so this actually just took place, what, like a week and a half ago now at Baton Rouge. Um, uh, several big stories, lots of um, familiar names in the winner circle. But I think the, the biggest news to come out of that event was your boy, Big Jed, Thomas Holly. Yeah, my main man, Thomas, from South Alabama, um, eases over there to Baton Rouge, and, you know, he's got a, he's got a, I guess, mid-90s, early to mid early 90s, probably, Camaro, really nice car, small tire car on the bracket radials. Uh, Thomas runs both classes. He likes to hit the top, hit the bottom. He's uh, obviously very capable in both categories, and pulled off a rare feat, Luke, and, and certainly it's, even more rare when you've got the kind of talent that had assembled at Baton Rouge. But Thomas got the, the win in Super Pro and on the bottom bulb. Uh, won both classes, same day, um, with an incredible string of lights late in the race in both categories. Uh, really just, you know, just put his talent on display again. Uh, Thomas most probably won't remember just because it, the, these things get away from us after a couple of months. But Thomas wrapped up the season in Gulfport last year with, uh, I think, a uh, $15,000 or $20,000 Super Pro win and comes right back out to start the season out with this double. Just really impressive performance out of him. Really happy for him. He's a humble young man, that puts a lot into his craft, and uh, it, it showed over in Baton Rouge. 
Yeah, Thomas Holly runs the table on Saturday, winning the ten grander on the top, five grander on the bottom, then comes back Sunday as in another final, uh, runner up in the no box portion on, of Sunday's event to a man by the name of Nick Curl, who also won multiple days. I believe he won Friday and Sunday on the bottom. Yeah, Nick did. Um, got by Thomas again in that final round, uh, won two of the days. Um, Travis Barnett made two finals. He runnered up to uh, Justin Albritton in the in the uh, All Barnett 50k ish final, as it it reads, and um, other winners and uh, some 5k shootouts were Will Holloman and Lucas Walker, which uh, you know we see those guys make finals a lot too. Well, I wanted to throw the 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 Travis Barnett the All Barnett final. That was a Travis Barnett over Stephen Barnett in the 50 grander. But as Jed, you have so famously said on the podcast, that is. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, you got me at a loss for words, Luke. Oh, I think it was Willie. When we had Willie on, he, 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 of all of the things, all of the Jedisms, right, that you could pick out that you just cling to, his favorite was no relation. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Travis Barnett, Stephen Barnett, but share the same last name, but no relation. Yeah, something I often say for the, <laughs> when I'm calling the Skinningtons from Texas. <laughs> that's that's right there you go <laughs> all right from baton rouge let's go clear across the country to the west uh, this race just wrapped up last weekend it's the uh, west coast bracket races down in tucson arizona and i thought this was interesting because i this is Forsyth's race it's a it's a great event it's got a a tremendous following on the west coast and i think that this is uh, technically been on the schedule for months but I my impression Jed was that there was a lot of debate as to whether or not this race or skepticism as to whether or not this race would happen namely because the NHRA Lucas Oil Series event at the same facility scheduled just a week or two prior had been postponed my understanding of this Jed is that it just the way that it fell on the calendar they could not host that race in February come as soon as the talent calendar turned to march things freed up in arizona chris was able to have this race and it sounds as though the turnout was tremendous yeah i reached out to chris to uh to make sure we got the 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 results of the event and uh, the very first thing he said actually i i reached out when i did i I said i hope it went well for you and he said the biggest and best yet that they had 294 entries on the grounds uh you know, no offense to the West Coasters, but that's hard to do out there uh, because, as you've mentioned many times on the podcast, Luke, we we think all those states are really close together, and it's just an easy drive from one to the other. But the racetracks are way far apart out there, and when you travel to a big money race, you uh, you typically are going to travel a while on the West Coast. So, getting uh, almost 300 entries on the grounds is very impressive on Chris's part, especially with still quite a, a lot of restrictions out there on people and businesses and areas so really good for them uh, had a tremendous turnout and by all accounts it looked like all of the racing was uh, even better yeah on the racetrack uh, i think it's safe to say it was all val jr all the time 
Val Torres Jr. put on a show at Tucson. Started off the weekend by winning the Thursday warm-up race. They called it a stimulus race. Uh, got that win for $8,000 plus a free entry into the $50,000 shootout, which he would parlay into into much bigger things. Uh, got that win Thursday night over Greg Hicks. And then fast forward to Saturday evening, that $50,000 shootout that featured 32 dragsters, 32 door cars. Val Torres Jr. rolls through the dragster side defeats Logan War in the final, who we'll talk about again later. He had a big weekend as well, um, to match up in the overall final with Sasha Hofer, which the reason that's a story, there's 32 door cars. Sasha was off the bottom, and my understanding is there wasn't a separate class for the bottom bulbers. Like, she just rolled through five of the best top bulb door car racers on the West Coast to advance to a $50,000 final, where ultimately... Val Torres Jr. emerged victorious. So in the end, Sasha Hofer in the final of a 50 off the bottom. Impressive. Val Jr. wins not only the Thursday warm-up race that wins him eight grand plus an entry into the 50. He, oh, by the way, goes ahead and wins the 50 as well. So pretty impressive start to the season for Val Jr. Yeah, very impressive for Val Jr. You know, if he's not doing it on the NHRA uh, tour, he's uh, doing it at the bracket races. Just a talented young man that continues to show that that he's capable of winning anytime he shows up. And what can you say, Luke, about Sasha Hofer? Uh, you know, to have the, I guess the the testicular fortitude, no no pun intended, since uh, Sasha is obviously a female, to to get in that 50k shootout, bottom bobbing knowing that you know you're you're at a, a at least a somewhat of a disadvantage with the, all the delay boxes and things that the that the uh, super pro racers are racing with and to have the guts to do that says one thing and then to go out and just mow through the field and get the the door car win over funny car chris northup and compete with val jr for the 50k check just super super impressive and sasha you know we talk about her a lot anytime we're talking about west coast races uh, bracket races where there's bracket finals or world finals or just any big races out there sasha seems to be a factor so good for sasha ho for for bottom bubbling her way to that door car win and facing val she did come up a little short in the final to get the runner up but it's still super super impressive we mentioned Logan War, who's runner-up, or I guess uh, technically a semi-finalist in that 64-car shootout, lost the final of the dragster side to Val Torres Jr. That came on the heels of a $10,000 victory earlier that day. So, Logan War, have have yourself a day in Tucson, Arizona, Logan. Uh, got the win in that ten grander over Shane Thompson, another name that we have uh, discussed uh, at length when we talk about some of the, the heaviest hitters specifically out on the West Coast. Jed, the other, the only other real note, uh, standout performance that I had from Tucson. How about your boy Brandon Umberger? Runs, runs himself in the final of uh, the no box category on Sunday down there in Tucson. Yeah, my boy Umberger, and um, he, you know he's just a, a cool dude on top of everything else. He, he flat bills and everything. He's just straight up West Coast from Western Colorado. Uh, brought the jelly bean, um, you know, his uh, famous Chevette that's green and little, but it's mean. The and, jelly uh, bean? The jelly bean, yeah. I, I like that. I like yeah, that. It's a great name for a race car, Luke. Did, hold on, time out. I, I don't want to interrupt the singing the praises of Brandon Umberger. Did you just mention cool dude and flat bill all in the same sentence? 
Yeah, he flat bells. I mean, I've got a I've got a lethal addiction hat that uh, that's his brand, and uh, I, I flat bell from time to time just just for the fun of it. So we're cool like that, both uh, Brandon Umberger and myself. Uh, my car is not as cool as Jelly Bean, but you know I feel like I'm a cool dude when I wear his brand. So uh, we're tight like that, and he's a little bit more talented than I am, obviously on the racetrack with what he accomplished, a win and a runner up. He also collected the $1,500 uh, points champion bonus that they had. They added in for Sunday. So uh, Brandon Umberger and the Jelly Bean kind of wrecked the place on Sunday. Uh, the 10K uh, Super Pro race was won by Angelo Sanchez over Nick Cobb. And uh, earlier on Friday, Kyle Rizzoli got by Mark Kidd in a $3,000 pro race. And the 10K Super Pro race was Mark Darso over Ken Sueo. So um, just you're talking about guys from Oregon. You're talking about guys from Colorado, from California, from Idaho, on the winners list, uh, Las Vegas. You know, these people went a lot of miles to go out and support this event. So good for you guys for traveling. Good for Chris Forsyth and everybody involved. Uh, looked like an awesome, awesome race. Yeah, it certainly sounds as if the left coasters were chomping at the bit to get back to, you know, competitive big dollar bracket racing action that has been hard to come by, uh, really, the, the last year, uh, specifically on that side of the country. And, and I would have to think, Jed, we'll get into this a little bit later, um, that turnout has to bode well for the upcoming Spring Fling Million in Las Vegas. Yeah, I would think it means good things for them, Luke. Obviously, um, that is the premier event on the West Coast. Um, and by all indications the west coast racers are ready to race obviously that race will get a fair amount of east coast support as well which will only enhance the the, the crowd and make the numbers a little bit bigger so looking for peter and kyle to really blow it out again at the uh, las vegas spring playing million coming up very soon all right so we went from baton rouge to tucson let's switch it back to the gulf coast um, just this past weekend, again, Gulfport, Mississippi, for the Top Bulb 150. And I guess, Jed, uh, by somewhat, by, uh, by virtue of the advertised purse and then also enhanced by Mother Nature, I guess with the exception of Al Jr. winning the 50 grander at Tucson, the race at Gulfport was uh, the richest event, the richest event on this side of the country to be contested to this point. It was two 20 granders. Um, weather forced them to be combined. They ran for $40,000 to win on Sunday. The winner of that, J.R. Barclay, has been on an absolute heater for the last what, yeah. six months, Jed? Yeah, uh, probably, yeah, Luke, since early fall. Um, J.R. just continues to either show up in the very late rounds or make finals and uh, gets a big 40K win right here. They had rain interrupt the event and uh, caused them some trouble on Saturday where they had water seeping up to the track as the sun come out. It, it was just a little bit more than they were able to deal with. So they canceled the 20K on Saturday, decided to run for all 40 of it on Sunday. And as you mentioned, Luke, J.R. Barclay continues his hot streak, gets by uh, Heath Bambarger, which Heath is a Tuscaloosa, Alabama racer in a, a Nova similar mine uh, from a from a look standpoint and uh, he's a, a really tough racer but that was a huge huge final round for him first one of that magnitude in uh, in his racing endeavors so really proud for Heath but again you got to tip your hat to J.R. Barclay that 
that crew is, uh, you know, he's got a 440 dragster that um, he takes out regular and continues to show up in big final rounds or uh, real big late rounds in some huge events. So congrats to JR. Uh, they did manage uh, to get a 3K Gamblers in, Luke. Uh, it started, I think, Saturday evening and had to wrap up on Sunday they had a really good turnout in that, so they turned that into a $4,000 gamblers race, which was a little more than advertised, and Russell Truitt got the win over Clay Combs. So some uh, some good winners there in Gulfport. It didn't go exactly as planned, but Galen Rollison is always um, right, uh, right on track with his decision-making, and he made the decision that best suited the racers and made sure he did everything that was on the flyer and then some. So look like another good one down there the the top bulb 150 at Gulfport and for those that don't know real quick uh, what that is is you have 150 people pay for an entry it's basically a buy one get one so there's 300 entries in the event and you know you get two for one basically when you pay your 349 dollar I believe entry fee to race for 220k so you get two shots at it it's really neat. It's it's 150 racers with having two shots each. Everybody's on the same playing field. It's a really good format, and he's got his uh, foot break 150 coming up here in a couple of weeks that, that mirrors that format, and I'm sure it'll turn out extremely well. I want to circle back just for a minute to J.R. Barclay because J.R. is a, I want to say a kid. He's not a kid, right? He's probably only a few years younger than I am. But he's, a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a racer that I've, I've thought for a decade or more, like, this kid is a is a big win waiting to happen or like a, a, a real hot streak like this waiting to happen and he's shown flashes of that certainly over the course of his career but never really come together where it's just week after week on the biggest stages he picked a hell of a time to put it all together jed i mean i'm just thinking back this at least to my knowledge this streak starts at bristol last year at the at the uh the spring fling million which was in the fall uh, with a runner-up finish in a 30 grander, I believe, the day prior to the million. Then we go to Memphis for the, the, the Great American Guaranteed Million, and in the big show, J.R. Barclay was the last car double entered. I want to say he was down to like 24 cars doubled, and then advances to six cars with the one entry. So, I mean, that's a huge payday. And then if, if memory serves, like he was at or very near the split at Montgomery in the million, and then follows that up here with a $40,000 win to kick off 2021. Yeah, it's been an incredible run, as you mentioned. Um, you know, it seemed like there late last year, we were obviously, anytime we talked big money racing, we were talking about JR and, and his results and his charge towards the, the final round. So um, finally, I say finally, he, he managed to finish one off early in the season. So it looks like he's uh, still right on track, right where he finished off last season. And probably look for big things from him as the the big money races start to pile up here all right jed let's switch gears again uh we've covered i think all of the big dollar bracket action that has happened to this point obviously there's a ton on the schedule in the coming weeks we'll touch on that a little bit later let's switch gears just a little bit to the nhra lucas oil series uh, to this point, early in the season, there have been three Lucas Oil Series events. Uh, we discussed the opener in Orlando a few episodes back. Uh, we'll concentrate now on the last two weekends uh, with the, the race that we call the Baby Gators, uh, the Division Two event in Gainesville, and then a week prior to that, the Division Four opener in Belrose. We'll start with the Baby Gators. 
Big stories from Gainesville. How about speaking of baby? Baby Gator, baby Larice. Ross Larice doubles at Gainesville with a winner in Super Comp, winner in Top Dragster. Uh, a rare divisional double for um, one of the more, I would say, one of the, at this point, one of the more accomplished racers on the tour that isn't like a former national champion. Ross has competed for that on, on several occasions and hasn't sealed the deal. But I would say at this point, like he's one of the more recognizable names on the tour. Starts his season off in a big way with the win in both TD and the 890 class. Uh, that 890 win was over at the expense of another racer that we're very familiar with who also appeared in two finals at Gainesville but came out on the short end of both of them. One Sherman Adcock Jr., Big Jed, friend of ours, friend of the podcast, uh, runner-up oh, yeah. in both Super Comp and Super Gas. Yeah, Sherman, uh, he was the car owner for the uh, infamous uh, tech-passing um, uh, antics that uh that I had. You know, at, this uh, race was at Gain- this this race was at Gainesville, Jed. Do you think it's possible for Sherm to roll through the gate at Gainesville? What is it? Gainesville Dragway? I don't even know what it's Raceway, called. Raceway, I think. Gainesville Raceway. Yes. Yeah. Gainesville Raceway. Do you think it's possible for Sherm to roll through the gate at Gainesville Raceway and not think about you passing tech in their superstar car? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It, it was I mean, Sherman's had a lot of great memories on the racetrack and, and at the races. Uh, that's probably one of his uh, all-time favorites. And I'm not bragging by any means because, you know, what I did to pass Tech was not a braggadocious moment. But uh, it was certainly probably burned in his memory bank uh, that how that all shook out and went down. So, yeah, there's no way he goes there without thinking about it. <laughs> uh, so, Larice is in two finals, gets two wins. Sherman's in two finals, takes two runner-ups. Uh, another man that was in two finals, not in the same weekend, but in the same car on back-to-back weekends. How about Wes Neely in Stock Eliminator, Big Jed? He was the winner at the Division Four opener in Belrose. Then he drives to Gainesville, runner-up in Stock Eliminator. Now, granted, we're very early on in the season but uh west putting his best foot forward to make a run at perhaps a national certainly at a divisional title and i feel like west west neely is in a j-stock automatic firebird like he's out here trying to pull his best jody lang impression just rolling through everybody in a slow stalker yeah you know that's the last guy you want to see luke is the guy in the the slower stalker that can drive the finish line and hit the tree and their car's good that's exactly where Wes is. Talented racer has shown it on the bracket racing side many, many, many times. Uh, is obviously doing his thing in stock and doing it well. Has done that for quite some time as well. So Wes positioning himself for certainly a run at the title at this point. First two races out uh, with final rounds in both. Uh, not uh, there's not a chance he's not going to pursue that at least for a little while and see where it takes him 100 percent, jed you know that i am a i'm a i'm a connoisseur i'm a fan of the drag race central box score yes wes neely's box score really at both events pretty freaking nasty off the bottom at at gainesville he missed it one round with 70 besides that he is he was 003 once and the other five rounds between 18 and 21 just nice solid 3000 yeah. swing in five hits and it's funny to look at Belrose like the numbers are very very similar like uh, very much you know 15 to 25 just about every single time 
quarter mile stock eliminator, uh, you'll take that. Oh, you better believe it, and especially in a you know a car that runs what a J stock automatic car runs. So that is uh, that's not necessarily just seeing the third and hitting it. That's having to have some pretty good timing in there as well, and good rhythm and obviously like you said doing his best jody lang impression that's what jody's known for and wes uh stepping it up big time and you know luke those that that type of rhythm it just seems to flow with you for a while you know he, he'll he go to the starting line with a lot of confidence and again uh, a talented racer in a j-stock automatic car is not what you want to see in the other lane to your point jed i'll steal a quote from the the great steve foley um you're in a high 11 second stalker as Foley would say I mean he's basically hitting a spot that don't exist <laughs> yeah yeah I've said for many years uh, cars like that if you if you snuck up there and just unscrewed the third bulb and just left it sitting there but it wasn't connected they would still leave in the same spot and about the time they hit it they'd be like I, I'm not sure I saw that third bulb come on but you know they're hitting a rhythm spot on the flip they side see it when they leave but it's it's not really seeing it and then leaving. On the flip side, if you unscrew the top two, they might be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be in big trouble. They'd be about a sick 40 reaction. Maybe. All right, so Wes Neely, back-to-back final rounds with his J-Stock automatic stalker. Meanwhile, how about Blake Hickman? K-Stock automatic runner out of South Carolina. Hickman essentially keeping pace with Wes. Uh, Blake Hickman won the Division II opener down in Orlando and then drove to the semifinal in Gainesville. So here you've got the, the two biggest threats to this point in Stock Eliminator on the season, J-Automatic, K-Automatic. I'm going to call it, it is the, no, it, it can't be the year of the Pinto or the Gremlin. or the. It's the Jody Lang effect. It's the <laughs> Jody Lang effect. The year of the Jody Lang effect. I like the it. The year of the Jody Lang effect. There you go. I like it. All right, uh, other notes from Gainesville. I'm sorry, I am going to butcher this name. I should know this because he's won a lot over the years. Doug Jaber? Jaber? Mm. Doug Better won... you than me, Luke. Sorry, Jed. Yeah, so that's, that's where we're at with that. Doug won Orlando, top sportsman, came back, uh, what, three, four weeks later, runner-up, top sportsman in Gainesville. So another... Uh, you know, there's only been three divisionals to this point. You make two finals, uh, certainly the only two that, that Doug attended. Um, that's definitely a heck of a start to the season. Thought was worth noticing. noting. Um, Pete Dagnolo, Dig Jed, I know a name that you're very familiar with. I think most of our listeners are very familiar with. He's my horse this year. I went out on, I don't even want to call it a limb. I said that the, the competition eliminator world champion, if we're not picking from the the obvious suspect that being Frank Aragona and Craig Bourgeois right if I've got to go outside of those two I like Dagnolo he's making me look like a prophet Big Jed started off on the right foot with a comp eliminator win in Gainesville yeah started that out strong Luke and you know it doesn't matter where Pete shows up or what what type of race or format it is I mean this guy just freaking wins I mean it's it's really very impressive when you think about how talented he is uh, at all phases of sportsman racing and showing it again in comp eliminator which is a different excuse me a difficult class because you're you're hitting the bottom bulb and freaking rocket ships and another I mean, spot that does not exist <laughs> yeah, that is not easy and uh, and pete 
obviously come right out and perform well there in the in the final round. So good for him. Yeah, Dagnolo gets to win all D1 final way down south, uh, winner over Richard Prezer. And again, I'm going to bust out the box score, Big Jed, because, I mean, for people that know Pete Dagnolo and are familiar with him, and for probably your diehard bottom bowl racers, this box score, you're like, yeah, I expect that. You just don't see this in competition eliminator at all, ever. In five rounds of competition, Pete Dagnolo in comp, off the bottom, 890 door car, 19, 18, 19, 27, and in the final, 005. That's solid. That is very impressive, uh, regardless of what you're in, but especially when having to see it absolutely lit. I mean, you're basically hitting the deep stage spot from the shallow stage category, from the shallow stage position. So, um, yeah, very impressive again. You just can't say enough about how talented Pete is. On that note, Jed, just another, we're getting into fun bottom bulb stories today, which is obviously right up your alley. So years ago, I mean, year, I'm dating myself here. The IHRA World Nationals was the thing, right, at Norwalk. And uh, you remember the IHRA Modified Eliminator class, like the Anthony Bertozzi benefit race, right? Oh, yeah. It was basically <laughs> IHRA's version of comp, except it ran like Superstock. So it was like comp in that you could have dragsters, you could have foreign combinations but unlike NHRA competition eliminator once you were in eliminations unless you were running a car in the same class it was just a bottom bowl bracket race and so I don't really know exactly how this shook down or how this actually came to fruition but we determined that Mike Fuquay's dragster which was not in use like would pass tech and probably run the index for some class in modified eliminator right it was a bracket you know, like mid seven second dragster and so Mike enlists Gary Williams to drive it in modified and he gets one time trial by the time that we actually realized that all this could happen, right? So we pull a delay box out of it, hotwire the trans brake button and get Gary to the lanes. And I'm like, G-Dub, what are you gonna do here? Like he's got a micro switch on the steering wheel of a 750 dragster with a pro tree brake, like something that you would probably need 1150 in the delay box of, right? No long throw button, no nothing to slow it down on the starting line whatsoever and we can't like chip it in the basement because we're trying everything that we can to get it right going fast is a priority so i'm like gita what are you what are you gonna do here like how are you gonna how are we gonna slow this thing down so you can get a light and he just looks at me he's like i ain't too worried about it i'm just gonna let it get good and warm (laughs) i said yeah i'm gonna stare at that third bulb till it's good and warm and then i'm gonna let go and it didn't work out because I don't think we ended up being within like a tenth of the index. So G-Dub lost first round, but in those two runs, in a spot that completely does not exist, G-Dub was like 10 and 12 on the bottom in a 750 dragster. Wow. Yeah. So. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, one note from, from Gainesville, and keep in mind, I wasn't there, um, and I know that weather played a, a role, but I, I keep up with this stuff, Jed, probably more than I should. And so I, w- I was obviously, I was following along. And then even pre-race, I saw the schedule come out. And this schedule was nuts, Jed. Like, it was a four-day divisional event. Like, they started racing on Thursday for a, for a Lucas Oil Series event and finished late Sunday night. Like, it was four full days. Again, there was some weather in there, but, like, it was scheduled to go four days. And, like, I just, I don't, I know part of, of, NHRA Racing Jed is just 
the social atmosphere. Like we realize that we sign up for an event that's two or three days to run one race, right? And part of it is just like, you're not gonna race at night for the most part. Like you get time to hang out. Like part of that's enjoyable, but I do feel like, like it can go too far. It seems kind of nuts to be there for four days to run a points meet, right? And I'm just trying to figure out like how, how did the schedule draw? Because I juxtapose it to Belrose, where where I was a week prior. Now, granted, there were there was much smaller car count at Belrose, like probably eh, a little bit over half, like probably sixty percent of the car count at Belrose as there was at Gainesville, right? But um, in that case, like the way that the Division Four schedule is structured, there's a test and tune Friday morning. Like you don't really have to be there. You don't really have to be there till Saturday, but if you want to make all of the scheduled runs, you get one Friday night. And I was in the final and pulling out the gate at like three o'clock Sunday. So like, why do I need, I, I just don't, I don't want to knock the this event. Like I know it's the baby Gators. It's outside of probably the the Vegas season ending divisional and maybe the most prestigious divisional event on the schedule but like I don't know about you Jed like I don't I don't really I don't really want to be there that long so I wasn't a huge fan of the schedule and and I just I was trying to justify like why do we have to do that I realized I don't want to speak out of both sides of my mouth Jed because they do run junior dragsters in division two and I am a huge advocate of that I wish it happened at every single division like I think it is instrumental to the future of the sport and and i think it's a lot more enjoyable for just about everyone involved to have the kids there racing and i know that that adds some time to the schedule so you have to, to there's some give and take there but this just seemed like i i mean the only divisional event that i've been to that took four days is a double at topeka and like it probably got twice the cars of the gators and we ran two races in the same amount of time like i just don't I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit miffed by the discrepancy in schedules. And to me, that just doesn't sound like it had been a whole lot of fun. Yeah, look, I'm not sure I didn't get to pay much attention to the event, but I, I did. I do feel like I saw someone post that there were either 600 or nearly 600 entries on the grounds. Am, am, I, am I on track there? Am I way off? That's probably I, about right. Yeah. I feel like that's the number I saw. And I imagine, um, you know, for most people there, uh, most of those racers probably wasn't in Belrose. So for most people there, that might have been uh, the first time that they've got to, to get to the racetrack or at least a, a large portion of the field. So I imagine had quite a bit of testing scheduled. I, I That's know the thing. That, like, it wasn't like he got five time trials. Like, it was just really spread out. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I, again, I'm not sure what caused it, but I know that uh, here... There were some uh, fairly cool nights in that stretch, so I don't imagine they were able to run very late, like you said, not running at night. So I don't know what led to the to the late finish, but I guess what you're discussing is the basically the schedule, not necessarily the results or how it ended, uh, how it turned out. I guess you're discussing the schedule, so I'm not real sure why the schedule was so drawn out. Yeah, no, when I drew this up, like if you, you we we might be having a little bit of the uh of the of the detox brain going on like when i when i outlined this jet it wasn't nearly as critical it was just like why right what what was the purpose of why did that have to be a four-day race when we basically did the same thing in two the week prior but i'm sure that there's a reason for everything i just like i say as a racer i don't i don't know that that appeals to me a whole lot um i'll switch gears to that week prior uh the division four opener in Belrose, and jed this is um this is a little bit rare, I, at least t- 
to my way of thinking because typically uh, when you have a, a world championship season it's been said before and not just by me that the most difficult thing to do is to go out and and not forget like repeating as the world champion because that's a that that's a rare rare thing but just to go out and have a competitive season like whether it is the bullseye on your back whether it is the added expectations whatever the case may be uh it's it's rare that racers come out the season following a championship and back it up with another marquee season specifically out of the box well at Bellrose, you could throw all of that out the window okay <laughs> christopher dodd wins supercom Darian Bosch wins Top Sportsman. They were both NHRA World Champions in 2020. Austin Williams goes out and wins Super Gas. He was he's the reigning Division Four champion in that category. Aaron Stanfield drives to the final round of Top Dragster. He's the reigning Division Four champion in that category. So basically, like none of these young champions had any issue coming out and essentially defending their title and being like, "Hey, this is my turf. Stay away." And I just thought that that was unique and rare to have so many reigning champs just show out in week one. Yeah, Luke, obviously, um, talented group of racers, uh, great equipment, and, you know, came to, came to compete for the first event and worked out well for them. Uh, you know, I know you made the final round there against Austin and turned it uh, a few thou red to him in the final. Uh, so, you know, those things tend to go your way when you're kind of on a roll um you know that you you get the breaks that you need you know a few thou later i'm i'm sure you and he would have would have had a great race and possibly different results but when you're on fire and things have gone well for you uh, sometimes that rolls right into the next season but ultimately uh, this was just talent and great equipment going to work and these guys got it done once again and I'm sure we will see that happen quite a few times throughout the year. Uh, yeah, tip of the cap to, to all of the winners that we just mentioned. But again, I'm going box score, Jed. This one's all about the box score. Uh, this is a box score episode. We, uh, As goofy as I get about box scores and just like, damn, that was impressive. I think I've highlighted the box score of Christopher Dodd like four different times on this show. I would assume at some point in his life, Christopher Dodd doesn't let go when the light comes on, but man, it doesn't happen often. Once again, like it seems like when Christopher Dodd wins, which is, which is, happens with a great deal of regularity, especially recently, right? But when he wins, he doesn't just win. You just pull it up and go, well, damn, no wonder he won. Like, who the heck was going to beat that? It was that again in Bellrose. In six rounds of competition, Christopher's best light is perfect. That was on a bye run, so perceivably like set up a little bit tighter. Besides that, his best is six. His worst is 12. I'll six mm. that window for you on the mm. Pro Tree and Supercom. And you couple that with the fact that in six rounds of competition, he never missed the quarter mile index by more than two hundredths of a second. Lit it up 90 with a two, 90 with a five, 91 one, like just flat nasty. He makes runs that are difficult, if not impossible to beat with alarming regularity. So his talent was yet again on display. Christopher takes the number one on the scoop and puts it in the first winner circle of the season. Yeah, great start for him, and obviously those numbers are extremely impressive, Luke. And, you know, as you said, you've highlighted his box score 
you know, nearly half a dozen times, if not half a dozen. And he does seem to have, well, I won't call it a knack for that because it's not a knack, it's talent. Um, but uh, at some point, obviously, you know, that could change. But if he continues to, to put up box scores like that and stay within two hundredths of the, the 890 target, uh, I would say things are going to go extremely well for him this year. Uh, that's, that's I was, not a bold. That's not a bold prediction. That's not a bold one. prediction. That's not a bold prediction. Um, all right. So I was uh, I was a little bit critical of the Division Two event in Gainesville. Again, wasn't there, so there may be something that I'm, I'm missing. Uh, I will at the same time be uh, I will heap some praise on to Trey Caps, the Division Four staff in that event at Belrose that I was at. Um, I feel like Trey takes a, a, the brunt of a lot of criticism, and perhaps that's fair. I don't. I, I haven't been to a division four event in four years right but i'll say that that was one of the more enjoyable divisional events that i've been to in a long time and not just for the format which i kind of discussed earlier which i really dig um particularly if there's not a ton of cars there like they basically had a test and tune friday morning so you could pay extra money and make extra runs if you wanted to the track makes more money and then racers aren't obligated to do it there was one session friday night two sessions Saturday, first round Saturday evening, finished the race Sunday, and like the whole thing was over about one, two o'clock. Now granted, the car count wasn't amazing, but I think that format is uh, is um, doable if there if there were more cars. Like it was just, uh, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. Like it was a pretty laid back atmosphere where you could make the runs that you wanted to make, but you didn't feel like you had to be there early. Like it was, it's a neat setup, but I enjoyed it not just for that, and not just for the the roof tech bonus, which is incredible. Again, like I don't I don't think that Trey can necessarily take credit for that. I think that's more of a, a Roger Brogdon thing than anything. But as I've mentioned before, it's the reason that we're running Division Four this year. Um, it, the the purse the the, the year end points fund is incredible, like unmatched and anything that we've ever done in NHRA um, before. But what I didn't really realize that's the reason that we went right. What I didn't really realize until we got into it is that the Division Four Lucas Oil Series purses are nearly double what they are anywhere else. It's um, it's two thousand dollars to win each class, which still doesn't sound like a great deal, but it's a thousand or twelve hundred in every other division. Um, the entry fee is a little bit higher; it's from one sixty to to two hundred. But let's be honest: with the clientele that you're appealing to at an NHRA division race, I don't think forty bucks is keeping anybody away. Um, like. When you combine that with the condensed schedule, with the points format, like I think Division Four has an incredible thing going. Like I, I dig it. Yeah, and if they can make that math work, uh, forty dollars more to to nearly double the winner's purse. Um, you know, hopefully more divisions look at that format and, and follow it uh, because uh, racers with that kind of investment, not just money but time, to go to these events uh, certainly deserve the best that they can get from a purse standpoint. So um, again, if that, if that math works out to increase the entry fee by a mere $40 to, to double that potential winner's purse, uh, I'd like to see more, more divisions, you know, adopt that format and try to give their racers a little something extra. Yeah. 100%. I mean, let's be completely frank for the, the, quality of equipment and the the expense involved in fielding such equipment for 
the vast majority of cars at those events like the 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 purse to pay out doesn't make a whole lot of sense right you're not the, 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 there's no one doing that type of racing very few people doing that type of racing for the money right um it, you just enjoy that style of competition as i do but the more that we can make those types of purses uh, a little bit more in line with the investment that most of the racers have made like i without costing us a ton more in entry fees like i think that's a win so i just wanted to give credit where credit was due um jed i do want to touch just briefly and i know that this isn't necessarily um in our typical wheelhouse here within the sportsman drag racing podcast but uh the world door slammer nationals also happened last weekend in orlando and i guess we're we're bringing this up at least somewhat in homage to our recent guest west buck west came on and and detailed a lot of the behind the scenes work that goes into putting on an event of this magnitude um i saw nothing but rave reviews on the presentation of this event which is kind of to be expected if you watched it at all uh, a year ago and i think that they won up their mark uh, the presentation on every level, Pro Stock Pro Mod, like it seemed like a huge hit. Uh, it seemed like it was very well attended, both uh, racers and fans uh, down in Orlando. And then uh, the the online following was tremendous. I guess um, what we can recap briefly that sort of applies to what we normally talk about is just the the sportsman categories. Uh, had a familiar name when competition eliminator at the World Door Slammer Nationals, uh, but one that is not typically synonymous with competition eliminator big jed how about a little known racer uh out of texas by the name of erica and N- enders i think enders is correct yes okay. look former guest uh podcast bump to eric enders at the friend the of the timer nationals yeah i mean you know you come on the podcast great things happen to you and uh, erica stepping out in the comp eliminator luke and we just talked about how difficult that category is and the, the skill level that it takes to, to hit the bottom bulb in those rocket ships. So good for Erica, just again, showing her sportsman roots and her very wide range uh, driving ability. Just a great performance by her as always. Absolutely. Erica, I think uh, rightfully noted now as one of, if not the premier driver in pro stock, when all those lights come on at once and she steps off the left pedal, um, all those lights aren't coming on at once in comp. Whole different ballgame. Yes, much different. Uh, <laughs> much different. Pretty impressive. Uh, Derek Brown was a winner in Top Sportsman. Uh, I believe Derek hails from North Carolina. Super fast Top Sportsman car. Pro-charged super fast Top Sportsman car. It's just giving me all the feels, Big Jed. I think Lester Johnson. Lester may be getting a run for his money on my hero scale. Derek Brown, Top Sportsman winner. Low sixes, pro-charger. I'm digging it. Yeah, very fast car, a popular guy as well. Everybody was really, I mean, I saw a ton of social media uh, respect and love for Derek uh, for that win. So big deal for him and and certainly a car that's fun to watch regardless of where the wind light comes on. He just happened to turn on a whole bunch of them and get his big win. Another uh, favorite among the racers, another unique personality that uh, I think to know him is to love him. Brian Oaks was the winner uh, in Orlando in the stock super stock combo. So wanted to give him shouts as well. Yeah, Luke, uh, shouts to Brian Oaks, a big win. Uh, they had uh, a pretty good field there of stock super stock racers. Actually was in Huntsville today. Uh, stopped by and talked to our good friend Bones. And you know how Bones can pretty much take anything enjoyable and, and find what's wrong with it. 
he had an absolute blast. He were he and Edmund Ellison were down there with Bones two stalkers. Uh, Edmund turned it red at six. Bone turned it red at three. Uh, those guys were almost uh, able to pull off something special, but come up a little short. And Bones just raved about the format, the the types of cars he got to watch go down the racetrack, uh, how well it was ran, just really gave big kudos to to the event and everybody involved in putting it on so when you can do that with our good buddy bones you have done something special so congratulations to everybody involved it it sounds like a heck of an event uh some some news and notes big jed that uh, that hits close to home for you montgomery is it still montgomery motorsports park what do we call Montgomery these days? Well, it is. Uh, it was Montgomery Raceway Park. It is right. now Capital City. That's right. Uh, Raceway Park. Capital City Raceway Park under new ownership. Big Jed. Big yes, news. It is under new ownership. My good friend Ben Willis uh, has put on quite a few races over the last several years. Uh, has learned some things, the do's and the don'ts, and he is uh, again the aforementioned uh, race promoter that bringing the King of the Mountain series to my local track here uh, that was set up prior to this Montgomery thing happening. And this happened kind of quick for him, but uh, he is now the new owner has uh, purchased the, the facility from David Ellsbury uh, has already uh, started some major upgrades, really making the tower look better, uh, getting the track ready to go, getting uh, some blemishes in it repaired new scoreboards new brand new 2021 compulate timing system and just really those you know those guys are working hard down there luke investing in the facility to have a long-term plan to bring great racing to central alabama and really excited for ben and and you know the racers that that love to to go to montgomery you, you know it's been a great facility for us for quite some time but has had a couple of challenges in recent years that, that have not been um, resolved. And Ben is committed to that, to, to give us some great racing at Montgomery. So really excited for Capital City, excuse me, uh, CC, it's uh, CCMP, it's Motorsports Park, Capital City Motorsports Park. It's going to take me a little while to get used to that, but really excited about it because for those that don't know, Montgomery is the capital of Alabama. Now, significant development, Jed, not only for that facility, but I think in large part for our style of racing in that part of the country. I mean, you just think back through the, the recent timeline of that facility and not much has gone well, right? We had, we had the, the episode at the Million Dollar Race that leads to the Million Dollar Race not coming back to the facility. You have uh, Jim Howard announcing that he's stepping down, no longer going to lease the racetrack. And I think the writing was on the wall that, you know, with the success of the events that had been hosted there, you've touched on this before, largely being of the, the grudge race variety and the following for that in that area, like that was, that looked to be the future for that facility, right? And I even, I, I laughed about this a little bit pre-show, but for whatever, randomly, I'm having a breakfast with my seven-year-old a month or two ago. And uh, for whatever reason, he always liked going to Montgomery. And uh, he said, Daddy, when do we get to go back to Montgomery? I like Montgomery. And I said, man, uh, from what I'm hearing, like, I don't know if we'll ever go back to Montgomery. Like, I don't know that they'll ever have a race that, that we'd want to go to again. You know, that's that seemed like the writing on the wall. 
I think this ensures that we'll all be back to Montgomery. Like it's going to be very much catered to our style of racing. And it sounds like the necessary improvements are being made. Like I, it made me smile to hear that, and especially to know that, that Ben's involved. Like I know it's in good hands. No doubt. It is in def- definitely in good hands. Uh, you know, he's got some, uh, some improvements to make before he gets started with, uh, with bracket racing, but that's coming this year. He's going to do a couple of big bracket races. The most notable is, uh, I think, 320s the week prior to the million, although I, I understand that event has moved to South Georgia Motorsports Park. You know, I imagine a lot of people will catch uh, Capital City Motorsports Park on the way. It is the uh, inaugural Mike Smith uh, Memorial Race, the late, great Mike Smith uh, that we tragically lost last year. So, um, you know, really just looking for uh, Ben to do great things, and I'm sure he's going to get the support. And the one thing you can count on is everything he says he will do, he will do. So it's a uh, it's on uh, on the rise for sure there at Capital City. All right, so we've talked about uh, the the races that matter basically that have happened to this point early on in the season. We turn up the fire significantly here uh, just within the month of March, Jed. Um, coming up this weekend, we'll we'll stick to the big dollar bracket stuff for now. Uh, SFG event in Bradenton this coming up weekend. I believe it's two fifty granders. Uh, CP's CP Promotions comes to Dallas, the Texas Motorplex. Uh, the marquee event there is a $50,000 shootout, plus I believe 10s or 20s. Uh, big racing going on in that part of the country. And then immediately following, uh, next weekend, so that would be what the, the weekend of March 20th, um, Loose Rocker, $300,000 to win at Galat. It kicks off the the true mega money season, right? Like it's kind of it's it's so bizarre this big dollar bracket world that we live in that we talk about, you know, the the four quote unquote millions. And here's a race that just I don't want to say sneaking under the radar because anything you've got Michael and Beard Michael Beard involved in, it gets a lot of play and rightfully a lot of attention. And you know it's going to be a great event, but it seems like ah just you know three hundred grand or like. Like that's just commonplace. That's something that we get to do so many times a year. This is a big, big deal coming to one of the the best facilities in the country. Yeah, you know, a great facility, a great promotion team. Loose Rocker, Michael Beard, Anthony Walton, really stepping out, going with the three hundred k race there at Galat. Uh, Luke, it was a, a capped field, but it did not sell out. It it got well over half of the the allowed four hundred entries. So those guys are continuing on with the event. It will be, if it does not reach the cap, it will be somewhat uh, prorated, but it's still uh, currently at the, the current level of, uh, of entries. It's still going to pay over 200000 You can count on those guys making really good decisions. They, they work hard for the racers, and they do everything that they possibly can to be as fair and and up front as possible, Michael's made a couple of posts about how the format is working based on it not selling out. But that's a tremendous event. Arguably the best round money available. I think if you win third round of the 300K, you will pay for your weekend entry, which is incredible. You get, you know, win the third round of one day, which is obviously the biggest day, you'll pay for the weekend. So really good opportunity for people to go to a world-class facility and race with a great promotion team 
and you know possibly get life-changing money at the end of the day so um, hopefully that one turns out extremely well for for beard and walton and, and the loose rocker team yeah full transparency i don't have plans on going to galat i don't really have a great reason why i could come up with a number of justifications like it's a long way away it's early in the season whatever the case may be but what you just said that purse structure really stood out to me and i truly hope that that race is largely supported because i would like to see more of that i i love their what do they call it their fat tens or fat fives or whatever the case may be and kind of mm -hmm. taking that idea um, here you guys do it a lot with the world footbreak challenge just paying back deeper like i just i think the more the more of us as racers that can leave the facility happy the better particularly when you can combine that rich payback with phenomenal top-end purses like man that's the best of both worlds yeah i agree and uh, again i hope it turns out well and um, the, what the racers can be assured of is they will get the absolute best treatment out there. Those guys do a wonderful job. Luke, the the ten granders at Bowling Green are back the same weekend. Again, My favorite leg racetrack. Legendary uh, race facility and uh, you know a very familiar format that uh, those guys go by where. You know, there's only a buyback if there's below, uh, I can't remember uh, what the number is, maybe a couple hundred, but whatever the number is, you know, they, if it gets above that, there's no buyback. So you can count on the big crowd getting cut in half once uh, round one's over if they get that. So it's a it's a good format, and I'm sure people will flock to that one as well, especially here in the, the springtime. Uh, it'd be beautiful up there that time of year. And, um, again, the footbreak 150, uh, the – at Gulfport Dragway, the Galen Rollison uh, footbrake side of the the 150 events that uh, we just, we talked about the top bulb one earlier. So this is the footbrake one, and uh, it's going to be really good. Um, I'm sure there'll be great participation in that one, and, and that's 20 granders, two 20 granders for the guys swapping feet there in Gulfport. So that'll be great as well. Same weekend as Loose Rocker and the 10G at BG. Yeah, and all of that leads up to the Spring Fling Million the following weekend in Vegas. So the mega money uh, events of 2021 get kicked off in earnest here in the next three weeks. We have 300 grand to win at Galat, and then crisscross the country the very following weekend for the Spring Fling Million in Vegas, which I believe is a guaranteed 250 grand to win, uh, subject to escalate with uh, turnout. Jed, I. Quick question. This is always fun to me. This happened a few years ago. I think there was an SFG race in Darlington the week prior to the Spring Fling Million. And I always like to keep up with like who are the true road warriors? Who are the true Ironmen? Give me an over-under, Jed. How many die-hard, big-dollar bracket racers will make both the Loose Rocker 300 grander in Galat and the Spring Fling Million in Vegas? Oh, Luke, that's always tough. I would say you're going to have seven West Coasters come out for Galat. Now, I don't know that they will drive out. Some will probably fly out, drive something, and fly back home because that is uh, quite a few miles there on the old toter and trailer. So, Valtorez Jr. should drive. <laughs> he should take his own stuff. Yes. Um, so I'd say you're going to have seven West Coasters come out and go back, and you're going to have probably 13 East Coasters 
attend Galat and go out. So you're going to have 20, 20 racers participate in both Galat and Vegas. I'll be interested. I, I want to take the under, but that I think that's a pretty good number, Jed. Like, hmm. You can start to name off like the racers that you that just don't miss a race of that magnitude, right? Like I'm going to assume that Troy and Gary Williams will be at both of them. I'm going to assume mm-hmm. that Mike Bloomfield Jr. will be at both of them. I'm going to assume that Kenny Underwood will be at both of them. Um, like, what about Verdi? Like Galat's kind of in his backyard, but traditionally that that journey that he documents so well to Vegas, like that kicks off like the Friday prior. Can he make it? Yeah, that's going to be a tough trip for him, but, uh, you know, I could see him um, showing up for the three, for the the early days and the 300K and then, uh, you know, hitting the pavement late Saturday night, early Sunday morning and make the, the hard charge across country to race the Spring Fling Million. Somebody, so, there is some listener out there somewhere that's going to be watching the live feed far more closely than you or I, Jed. Keep up with this for us. Track this. We want to know how many racers make it to both. And honestly, I don't, I can't can't be more than 25, right? We're going to shout them all out individually here on the show. Get us the list. (laughs) Yeah, can't wait. All right. So that's the big dollar bracket scene. NHRA's got some stuff coming up too. By the time that you listen to this, the Gator Nationals will probably be underway. That's the season opening national event. Uh, Divisional event the following weekend back on the other side of the country in uh, in Las Vegas. That actually precedes the Spring Fling Million. They'll be back to back weeks. That's pretty much it on the NHRA side. A pretty quiet March. Uh, Things really get some steam behind them on the NHRA Tour come April. We'll talk about all of it here, obviously. Stay tuned to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I think that's all we got, Jed. Yeah, Luke, uh, you know, it seemed like a, a, a packed show. Uh, I believe that one got by us in a little over an hour, so not too bad. And I think we got a lot of information in there and, and got folks uh, a lot of results and a lot of discussion about what's coming up. Definitely going to be a, a big month ahead of race results. Looking forward to talking about all the big winners and big players at those events. And uh, hopefully we're talking about huge crowds showing up to all of them. So uh, everybody gets exactly what they're looking for out of the event. But we will uh, we'll wait till those things get done before we can talk about them. But as you said, for now, that wraps us up. You know, we'd certainly love to hear from you. We appreciate you listening this long. And we love hearing from you. Tell us what we did right, what we did wrong, what you liked, what you didn't like whatever to tell us tell us something let us know you out there listening message us right there on the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page uh you can you know send us a private message producer mark pick that up and let us know what's happening or you can uh, post it out there for everyone to see we just love to hear from you so make sure you get at us right there now luke um you know you, you hadn't uh, hadn't had a whole lot of opportunity to do shouts lately so i don't know if you if you got anything for this one but if you got some shouts we'd love to hear them Shouts to us in this newfound, concise nature. When's the last time that we did a podcast that wrapped in like an hour and 10 minutes? Nah, I don't remember one. Probably won't see one again for a while. Yeah, we didn't really have a ton of racing to talk about. And maybe I shouldn't count my chickens before they hatch. Shouts to the Drag Race Central box score. I'm a huge connoisseur. Shouts specifically to Pete Dagnolo, Wes Neely, and Christopher Dodd. Shouts, Big Jed, to the testicular fortitude of a female racer on the West Coast. That was an interesting reference. Shout (laughs) to the Jelly Bean and Brandon Unberger. I like that. Mm. Shouts, of course, to... uh, 
I have this written down as shouts to tech at the Gators, but on that note, like shouts to every NHRA tech official for going through some of the things that they go through, specifically your experience of <laughs> at the Gators. Shouts to our buddy Bones. Shouts to Wes Neely again. That's two shouts in one episode. I don't think that's ever happened. Shouts to Wes. Shouts to Blake Hickman. And shouts to the Jody Lang effect. The Jody Lang effect. It is the year of the Jody Lang effect. Very well done. That was a great list of shouts. Thanks for sharing. Get those fast uh, doctors out of my out of my face. <laughs> K automatic and slower to the lanes. Shouts to our wonderful. Sponsor. Hold on, I don't even know my alphabet. J automatic and slower to the lanes. <laughs> Shouts to our wonderful sponsors. They'll bring the show to you. Certainly appreciate each and every one of them. Whatever products and services they're offering, please give them an opportunity to earn your business anytime you can. And uh, if you are a Twitter type person. I'm very active on Twitter. Luke gets on there about every seven or eight minutes. So you can catch up with him as well. You can tweet either of us and we will respond or at least hit the little red heart. Uh, Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We would love to hear from you. That's a wrap for show number 217. We appreciate you listening. We look forward to talking to you real soon about more sportsman drag racing. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises, that's BTE, here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, that's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. Dot com. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. 
Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect. Led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.